Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 66, Assault. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened previously in Attack on Titan, so you've been warned. So last week... I gushed about how amazing the episode was, episode 65. And now this week, I'm like, last week's episode was good, but this this episode was fucking amazing. Like I don't I don't know how it can keep getting better and better every single week. Yeah, it's crazy how they set the bar last episode and then they leaped and bounded over that bar with this episode. If the word for last week's episode was fuck the word for this week's episode is shit because <laughs> yeah, a lot happens in this one. And I think my jaw was just constantly dropping throughout this episode. Kinda no pun like, intended. Kind of <laughs> like Galliard last episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I didn't think things could get any more intense after the last episode, but here we are. Like this is, this is amazing. And I love that it's, um, it's shaping up to be at least a three part battle. Cause I don't want this battle to end. Like this is a really good fight. It's just like there's so much happening. It's not even just the action and the fighting itself, but everything around it. There's just tons and tons that's happening. We're we're getting so much exposition and so much plot progression among this or amidst this like insane battle between Titans. It's I don't know. I, I just love it so much. This is an amazing episode. Yeah, it definitely happens at almost like a breakneck pace where, you know, one thing happens after another. Again, kind of like last week's episode. But, you know, I don't think that's a fault of the episode. I think in, like, if this were an earlier season of Attack on Titan, this episode could have been stretched into, like, five very easily. Um, just because, like, I think this episode, it kind of focuses on, you know, the tides of battle seem to be turning in Marley's favor. Um, so I felt like if this were an earlier season, it would just focus on that for, like, two episodes. Um, and then you have that shift where the parody squad pulls all the aces out of their sleeves to really overwhelm them, which could have been two other episodes, but everything is just packed into this one and it's fantastic. I think it's almost like a like a chess game where like Paradis makes the first move, then Marley makes the second move and tries to take some of their pieces, and then Paradis just throws a grenade at the chessboard. <laughs> That's just how <laughs> how crazy intense this episode was i know and peak tried to shape it up as if like oh with enough time and with enough pressure applied um the scouts will will crumble because they have limited resources and they have no one coming for them and they probably don't have a plan all this stuff because you know they're they're not familiar with marley and then as galliard comments um after armin's reveal he's like i guess they didn't not have a plan after all they they very much had um a whole thing put together and on that note i want to say it was during this episode that like all the goodwill that the series was trying to build and that they wanted us to harbor towards these Marlene Eldians, I feel like they went straight out the window for me because I was just rooting for all of their deaths. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you had the same feeling. Um, the only exception now for me, though, is Reiner because he's become such a complex character this season that you can't help but feel sorry for him um, with these six seven episodes that have passed but everyone else they can just fuck off <laughs> i think it's because reiner starts to realize finally well i honestly he, he realized it back then too he just kind of pushed those thoughts aside but he realizes 
you know, how good the people of Paradise are Mm -hmm. and the impact that his actions had on them. And he's been carrying that weight for a long, long time. But overall, this episode just drips cool. I think that's one of the reasons I was just so engaged the entire time. Every shot, every fight scene, everything with each of the characters, like everything that they do looks so cool. It looks so good. And major props to MAPPA for fucking killing it. The The CGI was still there. It was more um, bearable this episode. I don't know if it's just me getting used to it or if because there's a lot of like explosions and just like debris and people flying around everywhere kind of masked the look of the CGI. Um, but it was, it was a little better this episode. I would say, yeah, it was a nice mix because... Watching this a second time just to get a refresh, um, I believe Armin's Colossal was done through traditional animation. I think so too. He, mm-hmm. he did not look CGI, which is funny because in past seasons, he has been CGI, right? Yeah, at least like a mix. Um, I think here they kept Aaron as like a CGI Titan, but um, it was nice to see that, you know, they're, they're starting to keep that balance. Um, and in terms of, yeah, shots and camera angles i love that there was one shot in the beginning where it almost felt like an avenger shot where it switches between heroes in this case it was switching between like all the marley and uh, warrior titans um you know i know that sweeping angle where it focuses on like the beast titan then it focuses on the cart titan oh like after falco like gets out of um gets out of like the underground hand shell that reiner has and he kind of just looks at what's going on around him yeah it it almost felt like an homage to those like shots that you usually see in like those superhero or or avengers movies so um but yeah there's very great cinematography in this episode as well well let's dive into it because as always there's a lot to talk about and i just there's so much i want to praise with this episode Yeah, so let's go ahead and sink our jaws into Attack on Titan Season 4, Episode 66, Assault. Marley's forces metaphorically declare they had us in the first half, I'm not gonna lie. As PX Cart Titan and Panzer Unit save Porco Pig's Jaw Titan from being gang-banged by the Paradis Squad, with Zeke's Beast Titan following not too far behind. Team Paradis makes a futile attempt to regroup as they are picked off pretty easily by Team Marley, all while Aaron's attack titan gets impaled by the Warhammer titan a second time as he unsuccessfully tries to eat through Lady Tiber's crystal cocoon. Not to worry, though, because Aaron churns out a third attack titan faster than you can say Boba Fett. The thought of Aaron's second wind worries Porco Pig, but Piek reassures him that reinforcements have surrounded Liberio with more coming in from the port. Thus, Marley's got this game in the bag. Until a little blonde page boy named Armin Arlert shows up at the docks and obliterates the Marlian Navy and surrounding area in his colossal titan form. Pog champ right here, folks. Porco Pig stupidly charges for Aaron while the parody squad, Jean's thunder thighs, and Sasha's sharp sniping skills make mincemeat out of Piek and the Panzer unit. We also get a long-awaited rematch between my boy Levi and Zeke, which ends pretty abruptly when Best Ackerman slices the Beast Titan's nape and drops some C4 on his ass. Metal Gear Hanj and Armin subsequently arrive at the battlefield on board an airship to begin the parody squad's evac. Elsewhere, Falco Punch emerges unscathed from Eren's initial transformation after Reiner protected the both of them in a cocoon made of armored hands. He reunites with Commander Maggot and Gung-Ho Gabby, and the three of them manage to defend a weakened Piek from the parody's onslaught. Gabby asks why Reiner's not coming out to play, but Falco Punch suggests leaving him alone because he's so over this bullshit. 
Back in the Titan arena, Eren discovers that Galliard's jaw titan has the ability to cut through titan crystal. With Mikasa's help, he incapacitates Porco Pig and uses him as a nutcracker to consume Lady Tiber and inherit the Warhammer Titan power. Gee, you really don't like sharing Titan powers, do you, Eren? Before he can move on to his next entree, Pulled Porco, Falco Punch and Gung Ho Gabby desperately scream for Reiner to do something, and so Reiner emerges in his armored Titan form, either to disrupt Eren's Titan diet regimen or to tell these kids to pipe the fuck down so he can die with some goddamn peace and quiet. So really quick, as you were going through the synopsis, I just thought about the airship. Can I just like ask a quick question? Mm-hmm. Why do the scouts need to put up those lights when there's like a huge fucking Titan battle happening in the middle of Liberio? Like, oh, yeah. I, I guess I could see if there wasn't a big battle going down, but like there's a shitload of giant Titans, like a, a couple you know, a thousand feet or whatever away. I, I'm pretty sure no matter how far you are, you're probably going to see them or at least hear them. So I'm surprised they needed the lights because like it's kind of obvious where you need to fly to. <laughs> I think it's also just a reference for the parody squad on the ground to know where the airship is going to land so that, you know, like they're not all scattered in different places trying to find where they have to evac. You know what I mean? I could see that. But when I was watching it, I'm like, do do we need this? Does this make sense? I don't know. Yeah. I, but it, it, that makes sense because you wouldn't want to land the airship too close to the battlefield because then a Titan will just come up and try to knock it out of the sky like Galliard was planning to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with that said, let's talk about, I guess, towards the beginning of the episode, Aaron transforming three times in a row because that that's pretty impressive. We mentioned this in the last podcast episode, but I'll bring it up again here. A season or two ago, Aaron had a hard time even transforming twice. Um, I think there was one part where he was desperately trying to transform a second time, biting into his hand. He just couldn't do it. And here, he's transforming three times with ease. Even says like, oh, Warhammer Titan, you've got that trick up your sleeve? Well, I'm not out of my cards yet. And then just jumps down and then immediately transforms again. It's just weird because he's standing right there as the attack titan, and right behind him is another attack titan. Yeah. Although... I don't know if the third one he made was smaller or if that was just the angle that we were looking at it from. But yeah, I think it's it's just a testament to Aaron's resolve in, in bringing an end to this war, however he sees fit. Um, and yeah, it's been four years since the last last season, so I'm sure he's he's built up the, the strength and stamina to just keep going and just churning out all of these attack titans like, like they're clones from Kamino. Or he's just purely fueled by revenge at this point, and mm-hmm. nothing will stand in his way because um, he dominated this yeah, episode. And Galliard comments on that too. Yeah, that he's continuing to transform. Like, doesn't he ever get tired, or you know, something, something to that effect? Uh, but speaking of Galliard, we get that exchange between Galliard and Piek, and um, Galliard is very much like Aaron was in the earlier seasons. Like he's very emotional. He wants to rush into things. He's irrational about his his plan of action. Um, but then there's Piek who, you know, even as Z comments, it has the foresight and can read the battlefield and read the enemy and kind of puts him in this place like, hey, we can't just go bum rushing into this. Even if Aaron's standing right there, that just puts us at a disadvantage. You know, we're we're not treading cautiously enough. We're gonna get stuck in some sort of trap. And damn it, Galliard should have listened to her because he is fucking up left and right in this battle. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah, if Aaron t- 
turning into multiple attack titans is a testament to his resolve. This or Galliard's actions are just a testament to his arrogance. And you could kind of see the writing on the wall when we saw flashbacks of him attempting to be like the forerunner for the jaw. It was the jaw titan. No. I think it was for any titan, either the armor titan or any. Because his his brother was the jaw titan until Emir took it. Well, I don't think I don't think Galliard was in the running if Marcel had already been chosen. I thought Mm. I think it was um, up between Reiner and Galliard for the armored titan, and Galliard was confident that he was going to get it just because he's a little more skilled than Reiner. Yeah, but I guess in any case, like you could see um, Galliard's overzealousness. in these kinds of situations so me personally i was kind of glad to see him pummeled by aaron in this episode and just getting the short end of the stick all the time i think that so that moment where galliard rushes toward aaron as he's you know trying to figure out how to crack that nut um and aaron punches galliard in the face before he can even reach him Mm -hmm. that to me is a sign that Aaron recognizes Galliard as former Aaron. He's like, I used to be you at one point. I can read your every move because you're just acting on impulse. You're acting on emotion. So I'm able to strike you before you can even touch me. And I can see why, to your earlier point, why they gave um, Marcel the jaw titan over Galliard. Because again, like he, he lets his fear and emotion get the best of him. Um, Piek, again, has to think straight for him in this, you know, in the middle of this battle. And Marcel was clearly a more capable and level-headed Titan wielder. And this is just all Galliard's overconfidence being shoved back in his face, as you mentioned earlier, because not only did he get fucked up by both Ackermans, even though Zeke clearly warned him about both of them because he recognized them instantly, he also fucked up by scratching Lara Tiber's crystal pod. Had he not done that, mm-hmm. Aaron may not have realized that the Jaw Titan could crack that nut. And Laura was probably <laughs> sitting in there or standing in there, whatever, floating in that crystal, thinking like, are you fucking serious, man? You just blew you my whole her, cover. <laughs> you can kind of see her eyes like wide like, what the fuck did She you like just looked do? in her frozen state. You just see her eyes look down at the scratch like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could just feel her her frustration in that moment. And I'm sure like learning that the Jaw Titan's advantage with the, against these crystals are it's obviously going to come into play with Annie, who we haven't heard from since, I think, season one. But my question is, again, with his ability, was this ever established when Emir had the Titan power? I don't think so. And also her jaw Titan was different because mm. um, Galliard's has like this almost hard mask on. Um, and you can kind of see he's got flush underneath because he has like the red around his eyes underneath the mask. But Ymir's jaw titan was just a regular face so i don't know like i don't know if it would have been the same thing i imagine if it's called the jaw titan her jaw would have been just as strong yeah but i agree i i'm excited for the idea if it ever happens that one of the scouts obtains the jaw titan that they can they can go back to annie and finally get her to come out of her invincible shell and to comment on your previous point i think with both galliard and reiner we see some of the things that could be considered like Aaron's flaws um, in his previous, I guess, character development. Because we already see that, you know, Aaron saw a lot of similarities between him and Reiner um, and their reasons for going into this very convoluted conflict. And then, as you said, with uh, Galliard, Aaron probably saw 
the young arrogance um, of his former self in him. So, yeah, it, I think it here it's just another way to reflect on how much Aaron has grown by looking at these other characters um, within the same context of his his own development. And I'd even go as far to, as far as to say that um, you know, thinking back to that flashback that Reiner has where. Aaron is frustrated and he's like, how can I get to be as good as you and Mikasa? Like the Ackermans are obviously top tier fighters. I'd even go as far as to say that Aaron has almost reached that point of like the level of an Ackerman. Maybe not in the same way in terms of like ODM gear and skills with killing Titans and all that. But in terms of just his overall abilities to fight and to be calm and collected and, and think straight on the battlefield. I mean, he's he's graduated, okay? He's ascended past what he sees in Reiner and what he sees in Galliard. Mm-hmm. He's like the skilled fighter almost reaching the Ackerman level in my eyes. So um, yeah, it just, it's fun to see how he reacts to those two seeing his former self. Yeah. Last thing about Galliard. So apparently Titan wielders can exit and re-enter their Titans now. That's new, right? Have we not seen this before? I guess not. I mean, I can kind of see it because, you know, these are like Marley and warrior titans so i would feel like they're pretty advanced in their skills but it's just weird that we haven't seen it up until this point and it's also interesting that like galliard's taken back by how many times Aaron can transform but i think it's equally interesting that galliard can just exit and enter at will <laughs> and maybe it's only a thing of like the jaw titan like i, I don't mm. know but i was just like okay when when was this a thing and i guess it's a thing now i guess it's kind of comparable to like you know taking off your helmet and then putting it back on really quick. True. He never fully got out. Like his arms and stuff were still in there. But I would imagine the main connectivity is like, you know how they usually have like the fleshy pieces going near their eyes. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's kind of like the center of their connectivity to their Titans. But maybe not. I don't know. I just it was interesting. And I'm wondering if we're going to see more of that or if Aaron's going to notice that and then immediately master that skill of <laughs> entering and exiting the uh, the attack Titan at will. Hello. His attack titans always get impaled now. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if he'll ever even have a chance to re-enter one of the bodies if it's already like been destroyed beyond beyond recognition. So we mentioned Piek earlier. Let's let's take a step back and talk a little bit about her. First things first. Piek's Titan voice. What do we think about this? It threw me off at first because it, back in season three, where I think we were introduced to the card titan. We didn't know at that time whether it was male or female, but it had this very, I guess, mysterious or like androgynous voice. Here, it's just straight up like someone punched her in the throat. Almost like, I know I make a lot of references to the Dark Knight in this in this podcast, but it sounded like um, Christian Bale's Batman voice. Really? <laughs> That's what like that level of like weirdness. What did you think? I thought it was just like odd in general because all the other Titans who can speak, they just sound like humans speaking in like a very deep voice because they're so big. Um, so I was like, why does she sound like that? I guess maybe because her body is shaped a weird way and she's got a big fucking face. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. It just, yeah, it was weird. I don't really know. What to th- I don't know if I like it or dislike it. It was just odd. But I, um, I'm questioning more like why the change from that that season three voice to this one is it because she's wearing armor or is it just like a creative choice by by the studio truthfully i don't even remember what she sounded like before hang on let's listen to this really quick we're gonna pull up a video 
Okay, so we just took a moment and we watched a YouTube clip of the first time the Card Titan speaks, which is, I guess, I, I completely forgot about this because it, it happens so fast, but it's during that, that moment where um, Bertolt, Reiner, and uh, Zeke are having coffee on the wall. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that. You know, like later when the scouts find them, they comment about how, why that coffee is still warm or whatever. But anyway, that that's when she speaks for the first time, at least I think in the show. So if you're wanting to hear what that sounds like, you can go back to that scene. Apparently it sounds exactly the same or very, very identical. <laughs> okay, yeah, my memory must have failed me. I thought I heard something else, but I might've been mixing it up with another character. But clearly it's a weird voice because even hearing it the second time, I'm still just as jolted by it. Yeah. So let's move on to her destruction because holy shit, that was really, really brutal. I mean, she's destroyed to the point where she may not even be able to reheal her her wounds, which I think is very telling of a new weakness that the Titan wielders have. Where if you know, even with the ability to regenerate, there's still enough damage that you can take where your body may not be able to recover. And I think the characters mentioned that that's one weakness of the Cart Titan is that it can't recover as quickly as the other warrior titans which is why like it explains why piek was using a crutch and crawling all over the place um in previous episodes yeah especially after being in titan form for two months straight yeah i mean out of all the titan not deaths but like obliterations in this episode hers is probably brutal or the most brutal next to like galliards when his arms get ripped off it's also really sad too because when she gets blown up you see or you you see and hear the panzer unit cry out for her and then she cries back out for them and it's just that one hit me really hard because you can tell that they had a very close bond even despite her being an eldian they still had a very close bond and i saw a post um like a day or two after this episode aired where someone pointed out that the Panzer unit, at least the guy who got shot in the head by Sasha, Carlo, he had a group photo with Piek inside of his little pod, you know, where they sit on, on her back. So they were simping hard for her, despite oh her being an God. Eldian. And that's just so endearing to me because everyone else treats Eldians like shit. But here the Panzer unit was like the sim squad for Piek. <laughs> More like the Panzer unit. <laughs> <laughs> But side note, Sasha's a badass sniper now. Like, she's taken out people left and right. She went from potato girl to badass sniper, who I hope still loves potatoes. It's probably something in the potatoes that's helping her out. <laughs> Next, let's move on to your favorite topic, Levi Ackerman. Do My boy Levi. <laughs> do not mess with Levi. Say it again with me, everybody. Do, do not, not mess, mess with, with Levi. Levi. He's not fucking around. Like, even though he had a very short moment in this episode and probably only one line so far this entire season, holy crap, that was an amazing, like, five seconds that he was on screen. And I like how the Warrior Titan strategy revolved around protecting the Beast Titan from Levi. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much of a threat that Marley sees in this man. Zeke still has that PTSD about Levi. Like he, the only reason everyone knows so much about the Ackermans, particularly Levi, is because Zeke is like so freaked out by him. Mm -hmm. And he even says in this episode, like, "I'm not here to, to to kill or to defeat Aaron. I'm here to see Levi." Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, as much as it was like kind of disappointing, we only saw probably like a minute or two of Levi in this whole episode. 
I would say like the rematch between or the quote unquote rematch between Levi and Zeke was also kind of underwhelming. Um, but it did carry the same hype as again for you Game of Thrones fans seeing Clegane Bowl um, in the last season because it's it's just seeing them both on screen you were hoping for like a huge showdown but it ends up not being the showdown that you had hoped for <laughs> but who knows like I don't know I think Zeke went down too easily and I'm sure there will be some kind of revelation in the next episode of what actually happened there but well I've been saying for the past couple of episodes now that I feel like there's something going on with Zeke. He hinted at something bigger at play in one of the first episodes. He was either like the first or second one of the season. Um, and I agree. I think he went down too easily, too abruptly. And then we saw nothing of him after that. So to your point, Zeke says that, quote unquote, Aaron Yeager isn't my enemy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he's here for Levi. Could that have a double meaning that he's saying yeah. Aaron Yeager's not my enemy? And he's like, someone comes first, Levi. And that might just be a whole pride thing. Who knows? Um, but I also noticed that Zeke didn't hit anyone with his rocks. He was throwing them, but he never, at least well, from what we saw, he never hit a scout. And I particularly watched this part um, when we, we watched it a second time. Cause I'm like, am I crazy? Did he actually hit someone? But people get hit by, um, by PX bullets, but no mm. one gets hit by Zeke's rocks. Even in that, again, that Avenger shot, um, towards the beginning of the episode, you don't really see Zeke doing anything to any of the, um, survey corps. Yeah. Right? He's just kind of standing there. Yeah. He like, he, he, I think he's like tries to swat some away, but you never see him perform any lethal moves on them i'm also wondering too um why zeke specifically said to levi like you're almost out of time so my questions are did he know that armin would be coming to rescue everyone um because levi had that watch and he looked a bit concerned like he was actually looking at the time um so my thoughts like maybe zeke knew about the rescue party somehow and i i know that our one friend rob said that from his hi, point, Rob. hi Rob. His point of view is that Zeke was at the border, keeping lookout for um, for anything suspicious. So he probably saw the airship coming before he heard the attack start. At least he probably had an idea that like this was all going to happen. Um, so he knew that Levi was running out of time to make his move. And he says, quote unquote, I think coincidentally, Levi was waiting on the timing of Armin to transform and take advantage of the distraction. I can definitely see that. But I still have this hunch. Like, there's just something not right here. Like, even if Zeke isn't in cahoots with the scouts, like, why did he go down so easily? And why did we not see anything of him after that? Like, we saw Piet go down, and mm. we saw them carry her away and, like, her her body and stuff. We saw Reiner go down in, like, an episode or two ago. And then we see him just kind of in this, like, you know, defeated state. We see, oh, well, Galliard's, I guess, not down, but, you know, we, we see Galliard. We, there's just so much to everyone's Titans, and then we just get nothing of Zeke after that. Something is suspicious here. Yeah, I think the most obvious reason is, like, Levi threw a grenade down the nape, and so everyone just assumed that, you know, Zeke's in pieces. But, yeah, there's something just really suspicious about the Beast Titan going down so easily. And I've, you've said this, and... I said this in an earlier episode. I think Zeke is playing a longer game here that we're not aware of. Yeah. I, I'm, i like, convinced at this point. Who knows? I might end up being wrong, but I feel very strongly that Zeke's doing something interesting. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say, the way that Levi, after he took down Zeke, he, like, 
jumped on his face and he shoved his blade into his chin <laughs> and he set off that grenade while looking directly at commander magath falco and gabby that was such a power move like he didn't give a fuck he's like mm. yeah you see this look at this bitch i just took down he just like pops the grenade and just throws it down and then flies off like oh my god all i made all while making eye contact with them like damn levi yeah, thug life right there yeah I also do want to comment on the scouts in general. I, I said earlier that this this episode just feels so cool because everything that everyone does is so cool, but particularly the scouts. Like the scouts overall are just fucking cool. They're also ones to not be messed with. Their combat abilities are out of this world and they're so well coordinated and completely fearless, at least on the surface. Like this whole battle has been totally savage, particularly Aaron beating on like the Warhammer Titan's head. And Galliard getting his limbs ripped off and stuff. And, like, Armin, you know, becoming an actual nuke. Plus, you know, Galliard's face being used as a little nutcracker to extract Laura Tiber. Like, all this stuff is so brutal. But the scouts are there kind of in the background and, and kind of around everything that's happening. Just looking so seamless. Looking mm. so slick in their new outfits. Just, like, dominating the battlefield no matter what's put in their way. Like, I just... They look so awesome now. I, I'm obviously super hype about the scouts and their abilities. Yeah. Like I said last episode, they're definitely a, like a sort of like a parody's Delta Force now and far from the Titan fodder that we've we've come to know them as. And I forgot to mention this, or I didn't realize this when we were looking at the last episode, but their updated ODM gear, I think, is actually adapted from Kenny Ackerman's anti-personnel control squad. Um, when he was part of the military police. It does look like that. Like, if you just change the black to brown, then it would look identical. Yeah. And I'm sure it probably came at no issue for the Survey Corps to use this since they've got an in with uh, Queen Historia. Um, so I'm sure they were just adapting the technology, especially for this infiltration mission. And like you said, it, their coordination and their teamwork is just so seamless. And especially when they all line up their Thunder Spear attack to... Um, assault um, px cart titan that was just that was <laughs> icing on the cake it was beautiful mm -hmm. next let's talk about mikasa because once again she is she's out here doing some some mad work um i mentioned this before i think in the last episode that one of my favorite things about this show is aaron's bond with mikasa like when she appeared to save him right at the exact moment as he's like, it's now or never, like you gotta help me now. There, there she is. She's reliable. She knows how to get shit done. And this is the same thing in this episode. They, obviously the attack Titan can't communicate, but Aaron saw that the jaw Titan could crack the crystal shell that Laura Tyra was in. Mm -hmm. Mikasa was on his shoulder kind of around that time that happened. And without even communicating, like, she knew what to do. She knew that, like, um, that Galliard was going to try and go for the airship, and she sliced his legs off. I think, one, so that he couldn't reach the airship, but part of me also thinks that it's, like, she knew that Aaron needed to use a jaw titan, so she slices him, so he falls very conveniently in the middle of the town square where Aaron's at. So overall, I mean, Mikasa, to me, is just the most useful, reliable, capable best girl in anime history. I know that's saying a lot. There's probably wow. there's probably a lot of other best girls out there, but like in this moment, she's just so impressive to me. This whole battle, she's been impressive. I mean, to the point where she's being put on the same pedestal 
as Levi. The fact that Galliard says, like, calls out the fact that she's the other Ackerman, she'll never probably be as epic or as good as Levi, but she's right up there with him. And she has a reputation when none of the other scouts do. No one else knows who these scouts are, but they know who Mikasa is just like they know who Levi is. It's almost like um, her and Aaron's dynamic in this episode is like the ice climbers um, in the Smash Brothers. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they just they just know how to work well with each other. Um, I would say like Mikasa, Mikasa takes a little bit more of a backseat in this episode compared to the other characters. But as you've been saying, she still packs a huge punch and, you know, leads to Galliard's demise at the end. And after she helps Aaron, he now has three titans. And I keep thinking, we haven't actually, have we actually seen the founding titan? Do we see it back when um, we got all that backstory about Grisha? Or did we not actually see the founding titan? I don't think we would seen it at all. Okay. Because that's like, I know we talked about in an episode or two before the Warhammer titan was revealed that we, that was the last one we needed to see. But I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, I don't think we've actually seen the founding titan. Or at least we haven't seen it in action. So I want to see like what it looks like, first of all. But then also, like, what the abilities really are like. I know it can control other Titans, but how does it do that? And one thing I really loved about Eren acquiring the Warhammer Titan is that there wasn't this crazy spectacle associated with him getting that power. It was just him taking a moment, like, probably feeling his body absorb this power. And all you see is, like, his eyes, his pupil kind of change a little bit. It was so subtle, but it was so good. Like... Anime can have this this trope of overdoing transformations and obtaining powers and things like this. But here it was just like he ate the Titan and he now has the Warhammer Titan. And that's it. That's all you need to know. Because he's hogging all the Titan powers for himself. <laughs> we don't need to see that spectacle. I'm actually on the Attack on Titan anime wiki. We actually do see the founding Titan's power being used at least once. If you remember when Eren screamed... Um, at that one point. Oh, um, and he, he fist bumped that Titan? Yeah. Um, I think that was one instance of the power. And yeah, that whole flashback to, I forgot if it was one of the Rice um, family members, she had the founding Titan power. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at a picture of her right now. She had like those glazed eyes. And then that was the point when Grisha had stolen the founding Titan power. Mm, I might have to go back and watch that because yeah. I feel like that whole that whole part is still fuzzy to me because that was a lot of backstory mm-hmm. built into just a couple of episodes. But obviously, like, the key thing about the Founding Titan power is, like, you can only effectively utilize it if you come into contact with a member of the royal family. Um, so it's kind of like a, not a hidden power, but like a dormant power until Eren can f- figure out how to get past that loophole. He's going to have to, like, strap um what's her face on his back and just run around with her all the time historia (laughs) yeah historia (laughs) (laughs) kind of like the cart titan yeah basically and finally of our main beloved trio we see armin as we predicted boy armin yeah (laughs) although he doesn't have the page boy haircut anymore he actually looks better i think he got a glow up him and Sasha and Flock all got glow ups like i i like their character designs i think armin looks way more mature um and just looks like cleaner he looks like the second member of him and flocks like knockoff k-pop group (laughs) hey but it's working for him i don't mind that haircut as much as like the last one that he had Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know if we ever get a confirmation that he was the, the soldier that trapped Galliard and Piek. I know we don't. I was wondering about that too. But watching this episode a second time, it looked like his boat was heading out of the harbor. So I'm pretty sure it was him. Yeah, I think so. And he seemed kind of tall. Like when he was standing next to Hanj, like didn't he seem taller than normal? Mm -hmm. I know it's been four years and maybe he had a growth spurt. Like maybe his balls dropped and he grew a little bit. But I don't know. Like I'm convinced that when you inherit the Colossal Titan, you just become really fucking tall because Bertolt was really tall too. And on that note, I forgot how huge the Colossal Titan was. The official height stands at 60 meters, which is 196 feet. And for a real-world reference, this is roughly the height of Cinderella Castle at Disney World. That seems small, doesn't it? Compared to what they showed us? No, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, Even though that's the official height, Armin's version seems a lot taller, a lot bulkier than Bertolt's. Because if you think about it, the Colossal Titan from you know like season one and stuff, Bertolt's Colossal Titan, when it was standing over the wall, like it, it maybe was about at its waist like mid mid colossal titan Mm -hmm. but armin's is like i don't know he's standing over these tall buildings just like towering over everything he just looks like and like a thousand times bigger than baritold ever did yeah he looks like the burj khalifa of marley um in this episode but armin you know as we predicted he would show up in this episode i loved his reveal it was also very subtle um it wasn't like this this grand spectacle it was just him coming out on a boat and ambushing the fleet, which was super smart and also just a great way to just reintroduce him. Like, I think it matched the scene perfectly because none of those boats knew who he was. They didn't even notice him until he was like all the way out there on the water and then he just transformed. And he had that weird fucking face. Like, what was going on with his mouth and his teeth? It was like he was <laughs> baring his teeth to look menacing and it just wasn't working. <laughs> it reminded me of there's a scene in um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban where Daniel Radcliffe has like this awful anger face and it looks like that weird forced clenched teeth that armin had he barely even has like angry brow it's Mm -hmm. just like if you had a totally straight face and then just gritted your teeth at somebody that that's that was the last thing that those guys saw before they (laughs) died just a really feeble blonde boy trying to look intimidating like what the fuck is this kid doing yeah but he's his normal self i think armin hasn't really changed because as soon as he's done you know destroying the port and all the buildings around it um he's he's he feels that remorse for this the destruction that he causes he's looking around and he immediately sympathizes with Bertold. he says like is this what you were feeling when you had to do this and i think this is a callback to when the scouts were trying to save aaron from reiner and Bertold um when they kidnapped him because in that scene armin tries to reason with Bertold, like let him go like what the fuck are you doing um, you know, we were comrades at one point and then Bertolt says all this stuff about not wanting to have to do this, but having to do it because it was required of him or he had no other choice. Mm-hmm. I think this is Armin finally understanding exactly what Bertolt was going through. Plus he has his memories now, so he can, he can relate to him. And at the same time, we see more of Armin being like that adept military strategist. Um, cause I'm pretty sure Hanj comments that this infiltration plan was mostly concocted by him and she kind of jokes like have you been possessed by erwin so you you see that part of armin still very much um, at play um, in this episode and one thing that 
kind of relates to Hans comparing him to Erwin is Armin says something along the lines of in responding to Hans, he says like, if we can't save Aaron and everyone else, there is no future for us. I think that's a callback to uh, Erwin saying something very similar when Aaron was kidnapped by Reiner and Bertolt. Um, I think that was like season two or something. I think it's the same scene that I mentioned earlier uh, or that, that same like episode because yeah, or that just that same arc. Yeah. And I, I agree because in that moment, I think Erwin gets caught by a Titan and that's when he loses his arm. But even as he's getting carried away, he tells the, the scouts to continue, you know, Susume, like just go, he's right there in front of you. Just go get him. Nothing mm-hmm. works without Aaron because we need him for, for this plan to work. Um, so it was a nice, like little homage to RIP commander Erwin. It also makes me think back to when Levi was forced to decide between Erwin and Armin, um, in, at the end of season three. Mm-hmm. And I think a large part of his decision was fueled by the fact that Erwin had done all these terrible things and he just wanted him to rest peacefully. But I think the other part that really sealed the deal was the fact that he he saw the potential that Armin has with, um, with being a leader because he had, up to that point, had many instances where he came up with really smart plans or was able to see things others didn't. And I think one of them was which I really loved, was that scene where the scouts are scaling the wall trying to look for Reiner and Bertolt, which is all in that same arc. Um, and I think Armin is the one that finds Reiner, and he's just like oh, right yeah. there staring at him through this hole in the wall. <laughs> but that was like another instance where Armin shows his abilities to be a leader. So here he is in action, and clearly his plan is, is panning out for the best. Mm-hmm. And finally, let's talk about the last couple of moments in this episode, and that's all about Reiner. So Reiner is still alive, but just doesn't have the will to live. And we get Gabby and Falco trying to reach him with their cries, as Armin hinted at with the preview for the last, uh, the preview during the last episode for this episode. Right off the bat, I'm like so over Gabby. I mentioned this last podcast episode, but like I'm just so over her. She She's just like too much. And I love how even Reiner finds her annoying in this moment. She's like, he's like, please just stop. Please shut up. I don't want to hear it. Just let me die. He speaks for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> but Falco was best boy because even in the middle of this battle, seeing the Marley side kind of get demolished, he tells Gabby that he doesn't think that they should bother Reiner right now with this because he knows that Reiner wants to die and he knows that he's mentally deteriorate, deteriorating. And Falco is such a kind-hearted person that he is willing to, I guess, risk everything to make sure that Reiner's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, again, goes back to him being kind of the ideal candidate for the Armored Titan uh, role. But one thing I was thinking about uh, as that last scene played out is you know we've been making a lot of comparisons between like reiner and aaron's stories but i think there are also similarities between reiner's actions leading to this moment and what happened to um commander erwin it feels like towards the end of their lives like the war is starting to take a toll on both of them and here like much like uh, erwin reiner doesn't want to be part of this conflict anymore which is why he refuses to to heed the call of Gabby and um, Falco as they're screaming at him to, to do something. Yeah, poor Reiner. He literally has the thickest plot armor in the show because 
He doesn't die ever, no matter how much he wants to die. Like, it's rough out here for Reiner. I feel so bad for the guy. And I'm wondering, too, I'm not fully convinced that in the next episode, um, Reiner will do something drastic. But I think he'll he'll definitely be conflicted. Like, there's going to be something that he does or doesn't do that's, like, major for the plot. Either, like, he's going to, you know, flub in the battle and let... Aaron eat him or something like that or I don't know I don't know he's gonna do something but it's it's not gonna be what we expect because mm-hmm. who knows what's going on with this guy yeah I know we're probably gonna touch upon the preview um later on but one thing I did notice is that you don't I don't think you see Reiner at all in the preview like they I feel like they're he's not gonna really play a huge part or maybe they're just trying to make it seem like that yeah it's hard to tell because usually when they hide stuff from us it's like I don't know. They're, it, usually the, that means there's going to be more to it. Like they didn't show us anything about the Colossal Titan in mm-hmm. the preview for this episode, but we knew that was coming. Yeah. And it does seem like in the preview that the, the battle kind of comes to an end because we get that moment of Aaron kind of sitting on the ground in this hallway and Levi and and, and Jean, John, <laughs> I always say Jean by accident. We see John and then some third person come to his rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Reiner is going to do, it's not going to be anything mind blowing, but he's going to do something that's going to throw things off for at least one of the sides. And by the way, he looked like handsome Squidward. Yeah, that's what the internet was blowing up about. <laughs> that was a weird shot and a weird way to end the episode. Yeah, I, I think that's the first time we've ever seen the Armor Titan without its its faceplate. So he's not the most handsome Titan, but he is like handsome Squidward. <laughs> like, no wonder you got to wear a faceplate. <laughs> One last thing for me. I do want to mention this. Aaron had plenty of time to eat Galliard. But again, plot armor saves the day for Galliard, and he he lives to another episode. Like by the time Reiner transformed, Aaron was about to take a bite out of the Jaw Titan anyway. And even though Aaron looked back to see what was going on behind him, he could probably just really quickly eat Galliard and then be done with it and then run away. Yeah, fucking Galliard has to be the head of all these cliffhangers. He needs to die. <laughs> Sorry. Like I said at the beginning of this, like like fuck all these Marley people except for Reiner, like. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I, I like Galliard, but yeah, he, he fucked up a lot in this battle. Like, a lot. Like, more than, than a normal character should really fuck up. Mm-hmm. And I just have a couple stray observations um, before we wrap up here. We finally understand the tree imagery that we saw in the, or we see in the credits, um, because the Warhammer produces like this tree-like object to impale Aaron and has kind of that same flashy color of the tree that we see in the credits. So um, nice to get a little bit of closure there. I did want to briefly talk about Onyan Kupon, who was the pilot of the airship. Who apparently everyone calls Onion Kupon. Yeah. <laughs> you get the internet is just ablaze with cleverness. Um, I think they mention him as an ally of the scouts i don't know if he's actually part of this uh the scout or the survey corps Uh, my first thought was if he was related to like the ambassadors seen during the tiber banquet who seemed to be from like this like african-like nation um but they he i looked it up um he doesn't share the same last name as those two ambassadors um I would have expected an ally from like the Hizuru side since uh, Lady Kiyomi had like dull- like gotten the fuck out of there before all this happened. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting character to see. 
I think we'll see more of him. And I'm, I'm curious to know who he is because he's very much in cahoots with them, very much a part of the, the scout team. Um, and I want to know who this guy is that they got to fly the airship. And you said that his design was kind of, it seemed like it was inspired by John Boyega. That's what I read on Twitter. And I think John Boyega like commented on somebody posting something about Onion Coupon coming into play soon in the Attack on Titan um, animated series. Because I, I think there's like pictures of him from obviously the manga. But I don't know. I don't know if it's true, but that's what I read quickly on Twitter and that Overall, the creator has infused different Hollywood or just general celebrities into the manga and I mm. guess the anime. There's one that I saw where there's like a, a, a manga panel and all the Titans are basically the Game of Thrones cast. Um, and if you look at like a comparison photo, it does very much look like all the, the Game of Thrones cast. So I could see it being John Boyega, but I don't know if that's fact or not. Although I have heard he is a he is a fan of anime. So... We'll see. Maybe he'll play him in the live action, which is supposedly still in development. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> right. Um, two more things. I've said this once before, but I cannot commend the soundtrack enough. Um, again, composed by Hiroyuki Sawano and another person, I am, their name escapes me, uh, Kota Yamamoto. Like the music in this episode was just beautiful. And that man is just quite the maestro. The last thing I'll say is that I think the biggest disappointment for me with this battle arc is that the Tibers are such throwaway characters now. I'm pretty sure Willie lasted two episodes and now Lady Tiber has lasted two episodes. They, the family just feels a, more like a plot device rather than like this actual credible threat to parodies because we were me meant to see them as like the, the puppet masters behind Marley, but they've been disposed of so quickly here that it's hard to really see them at that level of power. That's a good point. And I don't, not only that, but the Warhammer Titan felt so lackluster like yeah. they they hyped it up for so long they, they saved it till the very end they even named an entire episode after it and then we see it and it's not a very epic fight i mean the fight itself overall was was amazing but the duel between the warhammer titan and aaron was not as exciting as i expected it to be mm -hmm. and i feel like we get the gist of her powers or the warhammer titan's powers but we never really got to see them like in action yeah, so I don't think the Tibers or the Warhammer Titan were really used to their fullest effect. And maybe this will change with future episodes because, you know, there are other members of the family um, that we saw when Willie Tiber was saying his goodbyes. But it's just, I think, his mother, the old people, and those, those snobby kids or those bratty kids. So who knows? But... Yeah, it was kind of a letdown to see the Tibers really become nothing um, in this arc. Before I forget, one more thing. Just one more quick thing for me. I did see also, um, I think on Twitter maybe, or maybe Reddit, um, that the shot that we get when Armin transforms into the Colossal Titan um, of that kid crushed under the, the rocks and he's kind of like, you know, wincing in pain and kind of reaching out. Apparently, they showed us that exact same shot at the end of season three. 
So if you you can probably Google it, it's been making its way around the internet. But there's like it, it's like a shot for shot. It's it's almost identical. Maybe the colors are a bit off, but they they spoiled that for us in season three. It just like blows my mind that Attack on Titan constantly spoils their own show for us, but we never even realize it. Mm-hmm. So if you go back, like in these last couple of episodes of the entire series, you could probably go back and rewatch all of Attack on Titan and maybe somehow absorb what the ending will be. <laughs> I feel like we'll have to do that at some point. Like once we reach the end game um, and rewatching the series as a whole, like understanding why certain things were happening or why certain things were presented to us. I wouldn't be surprised if they, they straight up spoiled the, the ending like, in the first season because didn't season two have that really creepy ending where they yeah. basically showed us the entire backstory of the Eldians and the titans but we never realized it; we just overlooked it mm-hmm. so yeah that was one other thing that i saw that I, I wanted to share is if you haven't looked it up go look it up that exact same scene was shared at the end of season three and here we are we've come full circle and with that let's go ahead into our final thoughts for episode 66 assault how many Jaw Titan Nutcrackers out of 10 would you give this episode? 10 out of 10. No hesitation. Ooh. And I know I gave the last episode a 10 out of 10. That one is equally deserving. So if I could go beyond a 10, you know, go beyond plus ultra, um, I would probably give it like a 10 and a half, maybe 11. But to be fair, we'll we'll keep it on a, a 10 point scale and I'll give it a full 10 out of 10. It was it was amazing. I've already, I've already said my piece on it. I'm, I'm so hype over this episode I'll, I'll probably continue to be throughout the rest of this this series and i hope that this this trajectory of increased epicness just continues with this show like i want more and more and more with each episode what about you i'm still gonna be a little conservative i would give it nine out of ten um this episode did have like very high expectations to fill coming off of the war hammer titan but I think it still managed to keep us all on the edge of our seat with yeah, major developments in the plot. It seemed like almost every every five minutes or so. The thing I love about this episode is that Marley wholly underestimated parodies, showing that they were probably victims to their own propaganda about these devils. And I'm hoping with the next episode we get like a trifecta of these intense battle episodes. Um, again, with next week's installment, um, Assassin's Bullet, who knows if my sympathy towards Reiner will carry on in the next episode. But my biggest question for that is, is someone going to die? Yeah, in the last podcast episode, I'd mentioned that I accidentally stumbled upon the future episode titles, and there was one that really f- was freaking me out. It's this one, Assassin's Bullet. I mean, how can you not be a little bit nervous about that title? Because yeah. you in the preview, you see a shot of Gabby like lining up her rifle and seeming to take a shot at something. I don't know what I'm gonna. <laughs> I feel like she's only gonna get more annoying in the next episode. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm over her, but we'll see what she's got up her sleeve. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm scared, guys. But we'll see. And that wraps up this special episode of Strictly Anime. New special episodes release every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central following the new episode of Attack on Titan. This is in addition to our regular schedule for Strictly Anime. You can follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you can reach out to us to share your thoughts on Attack on Titan. You'll also find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe. Stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageo. Shinzo wa sasageo.